Welcome everyone to the Lighter Mind Podcast. In the Lighter Mind, we explore spirituality, personal growth, trauma, recovery, and the path to wholeness. The Lighter Mind Podcast is not intended to diagnose or treat any forms of mental illness. We are not licensed therapists unless otherwise noted, and these are experiential conversations. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Lighter Mind Podcast. I got Alan and Crow here with me, and we've been away for a little bit, been on a little bit of a vacation, and we've been talking about doing some more, a couple of like psychoeducational episodes where we kind of give some information into coping skills, uh, health and wellness, diet. Uh, mindfulness practices, self-care stuff. I mean, just some some stuff that I have I have both been taught before, and I have also taught myself before. And it is very very valuable information, especially for people who are early into any type of recovery, especially addiction. For me personally, that's really all I can speak on. Is that you know when we first get into addiction, we don't really know how to run our lives in a adult mature way. I think that we are at least for me personally like I didn't I didn't know how to fill out a job application, I didn't know how to work out, I didn't know what a healthy diet was supposed to look like. Uh, I didn't know how to properly communicate to others what my needs are and stuff like that and um all of the information that I think we're going to be going over is has been incredibly valuable for me and Today, I wanted to talk about boundaries. So boundaries is something that I've been on a huge kick with over the last like year because it's something that I have been practicing actively within my life. And I did on the if if anyone has been following like the the YouTube channel, The Lighter Mind, I did a boundary video a long time ago. And I wanted to kind of explain the importance of why boundaries need to be in our lives in the first place. And it's kind of hard to do that in a 10 minute YouTube video. And I feel like the, you know, in YouTube videos, there's a lot of like authenticity that's kind of lost because I'm kind of reading a script into a camera and trying to make it as you know, cohesive as possible, but I wanted to be able to like have a conversation and to give, you know, a brief overview of what boundaries are, what types of boundaries so that hopefully any of the listeners can kind of identify, um, what, what types of boundaries they're currently setting and what kind of stuff they need to work on. And then I want to give some, some tips and tricks that I have learned and that Alan and Krill have learned too. And the, you know, and so first I want to kind of kick off like what, like why the fuck are boundaries even important? You know, why, why does, why, why is this even a relevant topic to discuss? So I wrote a few things down here. So the first thing that I wrote was that boundaries are a way to honor our needs and to advocate for them in a healthy way. They allow us to remove toxic people and toxic environments from our lives. So this is something that has completely changed my recovery because when we are first getting into recovery, 
the people that we are around, the environments that we are in are completely unhealthy. They are completely toxic and they are detrimental to our recovery. And this isn't even just relevant to people in recovery. I think this is just people in general. I think that we surround ourselves with what we think that we deserve at that time. And while I was out getting high, I thought that I deserved to be around de uh, degenerates because I was a you know, degenerate myself. And being able to set up healthy boundaries really allows us to remove some of those unsafe people and places from our lives. And then I have another one that says that boundaries allow us to stand up for ourselves when we are not being treated in a way that we deserve to be treated. And by doing this, we build self-esteem and allow us to be authentic within our personal power. So when I first got into recovery, once again, I had zero self-esteem. I did not know that I deserved anything better than what I was getting, what I was receiving in my life. And it was hard for me to take chances. It was hard for me to like ask for promotions at work. It was hard for me to, you know, ask a girl out on a date or what, you know, just to really do anything because I didn't think that I deserved anything other than what I was given. And by being able to set boundaries i'll I'll kind of go back to before i get to that i'll kind of go into like what why i started to really hone in on the importance and boundaries to begin with so about it was about a year ago when i i started meeting with crow and alan we started to talk about attachments we started talking about my unhealthy attachments that i had set around expectations um, in particular to other people. And when I started to work on my attachments, I started to realize that I wasn't completely satisfied with where I was in my life. And I thought that I was letting in a lot of things that I didn't necessarily deserve. Because I feel like when I started to detach from all of these different expectations that I had of other people, expectations that I had on myself, these labels that I had on myself and who I thought I was, you know, calling myself, you know, just always kind of identi identifying myself as an addict or, you know, like I was, I used to be obese, like all the, all these kinds of things. And I identified with those so heavily. And when I started to break those apart, my self-esteem started to increase and I wanted something better than what I was getting. And I had learned about boundaries many, many years ago in IOP when I was first in recovery. And I started to take inventory on all of the relationships that I had in my life. And whether they were actually serving me or not. And I had a relationship with someone in my life that was un <coughs> unbelievably toxic to me. Where I had formed a heavy trauma bond with this person and, you know, was 
I, you know, every time I'm around this person, I, or every time that I was around this person, I would typically fall back into old patterns of trauma behavior, um, revert back to how I acted when I was younger around this person and so on, so on. And I started to identify that I, I really wanted to change this relationship in my life for the better because I deserved better than what this relationship was giving me. And so I came up with a plan that, you know, th this person in my life does not receive criticism very well. They do not work on themselves at all. They, they are very difficult to talk to. And so having a boundary, like a clear cut, concrete, tangible boundary with them was very hard to set. But I made a list, a kind of a game plan on, you know, like when I'm around this person, I always have to have an escape route, you know, so I always have, I always have my car there, you know, so that I'm able to leave the, the situation if it ever gets too toxic. I tell this person no far more often than I used to. And I only allow this person so much of my time where in the past, this person took up far more time than they probably deserved. And around this time is when I started to realize just how valuable boundaries were because doing just having that simple little game plan and removing not 100%, but removing probably 85% of this relationship from my life completely altered the way that I viewed myself and I became empowered by that experience. And I started to realize how important this was. And out of that experience is when I wrote the boundaries video for YouTube. And I, I really truly believe that boundaries are crucial when it comes to any type of healthy relationship, healthy communication that we can have in our lives. So that's my little blurb about why you should even give a shit about what you know i i i think it's incredibly valuable i do what do you guys think i love it yeah i love it yeah i think so i mean i've had problems with boundaries my whole life it was probably not until a few years ago when my wife really started getting on me to be able to say no to people mm -hmm. like i would always say yes no matter what like hey styles can you do this sure you know like totally inconvenient sometimes mm -hmm. like this is a ma major pain in the ass because you're not being responsible i have to come do whatever right so i learned how to say no and that was good mm -hmm. so and the, the two things that came to mind while you were talking were two things i used to tell you know my th i have three things i've said a long time one is that you can only control your actions and your reactions which has probably been 40 years of saying that 30 years mm-hmm then the other one I used to tell the guys in the brewery was the key to happiness is low expectations. Mm -hmm. Right? Yep. Yep. So, I mean, that that really reset things. And, and <coughs> it, it plays in with boundaries in that when you don't have high expectations of other people, mm -hmm. it's harder for them to cross those boundaries. Does that make sense? Yes. Kind of. Absolutely. You know, like. And you don't get let down. And then the other thing that that came into my mind was I always tell people that you're living the life you want. Mm. So many people, you know, bitch and moan about their lives and 
And I'm like, well, you're living the life you want. Because if you wanted something different, you would affect the change, right? And so, that in and of itself is a boundary. Right. Is mm-hmm. it not? Yeah. I mean, really, to come to that point, I, I like the topic of boundaries because because in our addiction... Mm-hmm. And what I found is coming out of that, uh, and I also learned because I had some really good coaches, that uh, that uh, it was the first thing to go. And I think uh, boundaries to me was like the outer limits, and it's the way in which our discipline reflects. Mm. It goes out. And do I have, and if I don't have them, then what is that saying about me? And so it gave me two ways to look at things. How was I being affected? And it really gave me a chance to self-reflect in a very deep way. Why is it that I can't say no? Where does this come from? What is that people-pleasing bullshit in me that's driving me to that, that point and to allow these porous... If, if somebody is bothering me, I allowed it, number one. If somebody's walking all over me, I allowed that. Right. Why? Right. So it gave me a tremendous opportunity of self-reflection right there. Mm-hmm. And it still does because and I, that's still the hard work is, is knowing it. And for me now, it's really about, you know, this is a real broad general way of saying it, but my energy. Mm. When I'm feeling zapped and I'm not exactly sure what's pissing me off and my resentments are starting to gain on me, um, something, I have to really draw a boundary and close in, sort of circle right. the wagons, well, I, and it gives it gives me that chance. Well, I, I've I think let resentments happen. really come from a lack of boundaries. Oh, absolutely. Right? Like, yeah. yeah, they definitely yeah. do. And you, you your own lack of some, discipline. Right, mm-hmm. you allow someone... To do whatever, take advantage of your whatever, kindness, generosity, time, it doesn't matter what it is, or abuse you in a way, not necessarily physical or, you know. Oh, there there are multiple ways to abuse someone. Yeah, right. Yeah, so they're they're looking at this and saying, well, I know that Kyle won't say no and this and that, so let's just Mm -hmm. call Kyle. You know, it's like, hey, Mikey, you know, he'll eat anything or whatever. So, Mm -hmm. um so I think you build these resentments because you don't have boundaries. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And once you start to set those boundaries, A, I think it's freeing to the relationship. Like I have, you know, a person that's been in my life a long time that's that way. And when my wife was like, you know, you got you to gotta set some boundaries here. And it was challenging, you know. Incredibly. Especially, you know, especially when that person needs has needs that they can't take care of themselves right mm-hmm. so you need to to make these lines whereas yeah i'll do this because you know but don't take advantage you know of of that so it's it, there's yeah it's it's weird yeah. you know because you know there's this whole guilt aspect to to a lot of it too like mm-hmm. Oh, well, I should do that just because... Which brings in the self-reflection. Why yeah. do I feel that way? Right. When I'm, when I'm right in, in, right. in feeling, yeah. and I'm justified in feeling this way, and this is why. And I think it speaks into 
a tremendous amount to, I think what we're getting on here is responsibility Mm -hmm. and trust. Yeah. You know, what is mine to own? What is not? Mm -hmm. And if I'm going to open up, then why do I trust? And this is a whole nother Pandora's box, you know, Mm -hmm. of, you know, how do we trust and what are, what, what is the framework from our childhood that we learned trust or not to trust and where we have to really really rebuild what that means in an adult like fashion because you know I can, I can no longer go on my childhood model of trust maybe from mom or dad maybe that one's not serving and it wasn't so healthy because you know they're just parents they're not therapists they're not healthy psychoanalysts I mean, for God's sake. So, okay, but I'm still running off of last year's modem or about, you know, 14, 15, 30 years ago's modem mm-hmm. of operandi here, and it's just not serving. So we need to update this thing in a real adult-like way. So that takes some some work. That's going to take some, you know, understanding trust and how do we trust? And of course, you know, we get pounded with the Brene Brown till we're blue in the face <laughs> on that one. But mm-hmm. I think that's a wonderful place to start. It absolutely is. Because it challenges you. Plain and simple. You don't want to watch it. You don't want to see it. You don't want to hear it. You don't want to read it. But it's like, holy cow, I'm a child. And, uh, you know, in that work. But I, I think first off is is what you had alluded to which is a fine piece of stoicism styles um which is ownership what do i own let's start there Mm -hmm. that's a big one yeah and a lot of people can't own up Mm -hmm. to their bullshit and you know Mm -hmm. that and and that's that's the, the very fundamental start honesty so there i've just thrown out honesty responsibility and ownership and trust and go Kyle <laughs> so so that's something that's something that I actually have um at the very end of this on like more of like a tip and like one of the tips for setting boundaries and I'll come back to this it's taking responsibility for your life yeah you know and that's something that I'll kind of I'll kind of we'll, we'll we'll come back to that but before we before we carry on with this conversation I wanted to give just like a brief overview on like what what are boundaries and interpersonal relationships and i wanted to just give some some tips that i have found from you know choosingtherapy.com and therapistaid.com and um some things that i have i personally use that i have found out myself nice um so first of all, I want to talk about the three types of boundaries. So we have rigid boundaries, porous boundaries, and healthy boundaries. So rigid boundaries are characterized by being unlikely to ask for help, avoiding close personal relationships, and being protective of personal information. Having rigid boundaries means keeping others at a distance to remove the possibility of rejection. So these are the people uh, which I have definitely been in the past. I've I've been... I've had all three types of boundaries in my life. These are the people who have a stone gate around everything in their life. They don't let anyone in. They are usually very aggressive towards people. They, 
they like to yell at people when they don't get their way. And they're usually, uh, they're incredibly protective of everything that they have. Defensive. Very well, defensive. Yeah. Because I've been that way for a lot of my life, but I never yell at people. I I just walk yeah. away. I would just be like, this person's a fucking moron. It, do, it doesn't have right? to be a characteristic yeah, of it. But. So, but I would say that you can have all three oh, at yes. the same time. Like mm-hmm. with some people, I'll have that because mm-hmm. they don't need to know. And then some people, it's a little more porous, which you'll talk about, mm-hmm. which I'm like, well, this is bad for me. Mm-hmm. And that's really the one I work on the most because... Mm-hmm. The rigid one, I'm pretty much done with. I've, I've anyone that I needed a rigid boundary with in my life, I've just cut out. I've just cut bait with them. Which yeah. doesn't, which isn't necessarily, isn't always necessarily a rigid boundary. Sometimes that could be a healthy boundary, and it just kind of depends on like the dynamic of the relationship. Right. And like if if you have mm-hmm. more of a volatile relationship with that person, it could appear to be a rigid boundary. But sometimes, like cutting people out of, out of your life is it can be a healthy boundary. Yeah, yeah. All right, <laughs> yeah. sorry to oh, no, be no. able to detect as we get older mm-hmm. who's who is worth this, and you know mm-hmm. for for what? Right. Why even go down the road with this person? It's just not even worth the time. Yeah. So yeah, which can be healthy. Very I think. healthy. I think sometimes that's some of the healthiest shit we can do. Yeah. And then we have we have porous boundaries. So. This is the other side of the spectrum. So individuals with porous boundaries typically overshare information, have a difficult time saying no, and tend to over-involve themselves in others' problems. Having porous boundaries means depending on the opinions of others and fearing rejection if we don't comply with them. These are our people-pleasers and our givers. You know, I have been I got told a long time ago that there are takers and there are givers in this world. Mm-hmm. And the takers are always going to seek out where the givers are and the givers are always going to give to the takers. That's just how it is and takers will most of the time take advantage of givers. You know, like like exactly like you were saying like this is this is detrimental to me. You know, this is hurting me within this relationship, but it's within our nature to give. <laughs> You know? Right, right. Well, and I think if you, well, it's draining though. You know, like when I have the the people in my life that I was very porous with, mm-hmm. I mean, it would either drain me financially, like I'd be like, like, hey, dude, I'm totally broke. Can you lend me money? And you know, growing up as a kid, I would lend you know friends money, and my mom would always say, well, what's more important to you, the friendship or the money? Because you aren't going to have both. Mm. And that rang true, like. You know, I found that to be true. Yeah, like it is what it is, right? Um, yeah, so but they're it's draining, yes, to have those porous boundaries. It is, you You feel like you're overstretched all the time, yeah, right? Yeah, and it uh, it just feels unhealthy. Like, I mean, I know a rigid boundary feels unhealthy as well, but porous almost feels more so, yeah, for me, yeah, for me, it it does for me too. It's the worst, like. You're just like, why, why, you know, yeah. like, why couldn't I say no? And then mm-hmm. you're like, oh, cause you, you don't want to hurt the person's feeling, you know, mm-hmm. you, you think that the value in your relationship with that person maybe is just that you give, you know, um, so anyhow, derailed you again. So let's, no, let's, no, that's completely relevant. Right, that's right. completely relevant. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and then we're getting into we're getting into we, before yeah. you go out of that one. Also, I, I I was just thinking service work, service workers, they had better no boundaries. Yes, because they do that for a living, and that's your job. Doctors, lawyers, firemen, policemen, um, therapists. Holy cow! Had you better know when to give and be because you're moving from a different energy space, which is really your heart, mm-hmm. and and it's the heart heart brain coherence that you're coming into this work with, and you need to know how to rest. And that's and, that can be if you don't, you you're gonna be tapped out. Well, and that's and where, without knowing it. Yeah, yeah. That's where I learned the power of saying no. And it wasn't until probably five or six years ago, and finally I just started saying no. I'm like, it's so powerful. Yeah, but you feel bad. Like I felt bad. Like someone would ask yeah. me, <laughs> and I'm like, ah, it's not that big a deal. I should say yes. Mm-hmm. But then you know, like the me that was becoming <coughs> more uh, had better boundaries. And getting higher self-esteem and saying, I don't need this person or whatever in my life. And if I say no, fuck them. If they, they're upset and they walk away and they don't want to be my friend anymore. Because then they probably really weren't. It's their shit. Know? Right. It is. Yeah, it's yeah, not, it's no longer. It's like yeah. we, because we can't control how other people react right. to what we say. Yeah. So it was very uh, um, empowering and taking weight off your shoulder no you it, know, that and yeah that, that yeah. power of no is unbelievable yeah but man for some people like me mm-hmm. it was a really hard one to learn it, and it's still yeah. hard like there's times i'm like well I, I it's no it's not that big a deal mm-hmm. but then you know all these little not big deals become a giant mountain of crap that you've dealt with mm-hmm. other people's crap because they aren't taking their own responsibility and like seriously this is just what grown-ups do do your take care of your shit mm-hmm. you know and um, then you don't know who to be pissed off at yourself or them right so it's like well i allowed it so we're both guilty but i'm sitting here alone trying to right. relax and go into some mindfulness you know practice and it ain't happening by this time so your mind is all messed up yeah, yeah. Well, agree. I usually get over stuff quickly. Like I learned years ago, you get mad and get over it. You know, so I'd be like, "Oh, well, whatever." Well, you, you were stupid, yeah. and you should have said no. But it next, looks, you yeah. know, live and learn next time. Yeah. If you, well, if you don't let it go, it turns into resentments, which is right. what I learned through my program. Is mm-hmm. the four hundred resentments that I had built up over the years that yeah. were just eating me internally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's better just to fucking let it go. It's yeah. easier said than done. Right. Okay. Now we got healthy boundaries. So having healthy boundaries is characterized by valuing our own opinion, not compromising our values, and share and sharing personal information in an in appropriate way. Healthy boundaries make it easy to communicate our needs and they are able and to be able to accept when others set boundaries with us. So healthy boundary setter is this is tied in incredibly well with assertiveness and advocating for our needs. Saying no is is one of the biggest things. And it's hard. 
it's hard. It's very, very hard. And it kind of going back to what you were saying earlier, like the, you know, when you set boundaries, you almost feel guilty. So any of the listeners, I want to let you know, I'm almost eight years sober and it took me six years to grasp boundaries and assertive communication. And I'm still not fucking perfect at it. Sometimes I get angry, you yeah. know, that yep. happens. Yep. Sometimes I'm super passive or passive aggressive. I'm far too sarcastic sometimes. <laughs> So right, that's yeah, another yeah. way that it rears <laughs> yeah. its ugly head. Yeah, too. that's the highest yeah. form become, of comedy. You know, though. It absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's not always. I'm going to be honest. It's actually the yeah. lowest, but it is the it, lowest. It's been my, in my it's been my default network yeah. since I was a kid. Well, it, I, I've had to remind myself sometimes. I have to stop myself because snarky comments aren't always necessary. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and I have to like stop myself. But but, funny, you know. Funny. You can't help. I know. Yourself. I, I know. And it's. It's just, I, I don't know. But anyone who's listening, I want to let you know, boundaries are hard to set. Communications are hard. Relationships are hard. Like this is, this is actually one of the hardest things that I've dealt with in my recovery personally. The first couple of times that you start setting boundaries with someone, it's going to suck. You're going to feel guilty. Mm-hmm. You are going to doubt yourself. You are going to play into all of your fears and your insecurities. That's just how it fucking goes. Until and my advice <coughs> for that in particular, when you are set, setting boundaries, would be to push through that until it becomes habitual. Because after a while, especially just like in, I have a little thing in here. We'll come back to the the power of the word no, but. The first few times you say no, you're going to feel guilty about it. But after a while, you just realize that, like, that's not something I want to do. No, I'm not going to do that. And it just becomes part of of your habits. But do not listen to this podcast thinking that this is going to be an easy thing to do. Because this is, it is not, and it takes practice. I've been working on it for a couple of years now. And I am not an expert. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I'm here to tell you this was one of the, and it still is, it remains the hardest thing, but it's the biggest indicator of personal interior growth because you have no option. You have no choice but to self-reflect. And then when you do that, you're like faced with, where does this come from? You know, why do I, where, why do I do this? You know, why do I get uncomfortable? Why do I start shaking? Why do I get all these body reactions that I never realized, you know, when I was drunk for so many years? Um, yeah, this is this is a good one, man. Well, yeah, and it, mm-hmm. there's, there's a factor, too, of, say, a childhood where maybe you had a volatile parent or some serious dysfunction, and it was way easier... To go along with it, say yes, be a pleaser, because the flip side is wrath, right? You e- could get explosion. hurt. Right. You yeah. could get hurt, so and it wasn't unsafe. These, yeah. these youth or you know childhood mechanisms to cope with whatever your situation was go you know echo throughout your life. So you, and maybe there's something about a person that reminds you of, say, a parent or an aunt or an uncle or whoever, you know, whatever caregiver or person in authority in your childhood 
that it was much easier to be compliant and say yes because if you said no you don't know what happened so now here you are 20 years 30 years 40 years later 50 years and you're doing the same thing it's the same behavior but you're not aware of it and it's easy but it's draining like i said it's, it's well, comfortable it's, it's conditioning it's, yeah because it's familiar right? it's right. Com- it's comfortable only because it's familiar that right. doesn't make it right yeah, it's yeah. proper almost and like it is you learn like the yeah. bell rang and you start drooling right well you so, learn that right. you touched on it you hit it exactly it comes from our childhood right what were my conditions who was around who were the players and was and this is where we learn if we were a fight flight or freezer and you bet and you will learn which one you are and which one you were given those circumstances but i think this is a tremendous opportunity to understand the patterns the patterns that became the habits well i wonder if as you're growing and you know like when we first met you know 40 years ago or whatever that the people we got around had some kind of um like remind you know like you'd hang out with them because they there was something comfortable in that like you know because i look at some of the musician types we were around i'm like that pretty awful person in general some of them you know not that they're musicians make you awful because we're all musicians but <laughs> i'm just saying I'm, I'm i'm i guess i'm just kind of thinking of like your circle of friends at certain times of your life i mean you know they that whole birds of a feather thing so but is it is it that you know do like people who know that you're a people pleaser like to have you around because they know you'll do a maybe they're bidding like they want to do some yeah stupid yeah. shit or they yeah you know they know that if they call you and say let's go drink you'd be like oh hell yeah i'm in you know right um i do have people in my life that do that you know that will call me to move furniture or if they ever need money i'm the first person they call right you know and i've learned to sell them fuck no yeah (laughs) i'm good yeah (laughs) you know i'm good if this is the extent of our relationship i'm good right but i do think that like is hippy dippy as it says i think like your vibe attracts your tribe and i think that like whatever you're giving out is what you're going to receive and i think that yeah, I mean, I've definitely fought, you know, if you fall into those bar scenes, it's like you're going to find bar people. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, right. that's that's just kind of what's what's in that environment. You start hanging out in pumpkin patches, you're going to start attracting pumpkin patch people. You know, <laughs> like yep. it's just, that's, that's you know, exactly. it's a little bit. Uh, as almost, long as I get to see a great pumpkin, I'll be happy. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah, I mean, right. I think that. We, yeah, and that, you know, we talked about tribes before on this podcast about how, you you know, you need to make a new tribe and find people that you know empower you or it at the least don't drain you you know but i think the people who like raise your energy and are very valuable you know and not to not to be you know that guy that's like parasitic and you're now the you know the unhealthy boundary guy trying to you know get something from someone but you have healthy boundaries and you know, you you push the people around you to become better. Mm-hmm. And I think 
as a result, you challenge yourself over time to be around healthier people, be around a higher vibration of people, mm-hmm. because that's now who you start to find. And we'll go into this another time, but that's your spiritual awakening as well, where you find yourself a little bit alone because you're changing and your crowd is not and you're ready to move you're ready to move on to that next level you're ready to take that next step and get around those positive people that are going to change your life yet you haven't found them yet um and that's a good uh i I think we'll get into that on another another show but certainly our boundaries will i think alert us to the invitation for that Hmm. hey it's time to move man because all these people i'm doing this work and now i'm going for the big boundary which is it's time to change my environment it's time to change the people around me and uh, i don't know who they are or where they are right but I just know I'm ready for more and to be positive. Yeah, because like the other attracts thing is, like. though, is if if you start on a journey, then maybe people see that you're on that journey and want to be with it. So you don't necessarily lose everything from the past, right? Hopefully not. Yeah, not always. But I think some people they either grow with you or you outgrow them. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And that's what I was saying. Mm-hmm. And you yeah. have to have the boundary mm-hmm. to not go back just out of familiarity or perhaps and here's the big one here's the big kahuna family we are attached because we of a name a title societal standard a standard it's a standard well you can love them from a distance right well this is a very very tough one for a lot of people because there's a lot of damage especially in coming out of addiction and when we're in recovery, there's a lot of damage, and we can't deny that. <coughs> Yet at the same time, we can't live in it anymore. We have to move and be ready to move. Mm-hmm. And what's that going? how is that going to be framed? And that's a tough one there, but... Incredibly. Um, yeah. It's, it's one it's of those... challenging. It's one of those easier said than done things. Oh, absolutely. Because uh, you... You have to really break down like your preconceived notions and your conditioning and everything to get to a point. Not only with family, but with everything. With right? with everything. I think you just nailed it. You mm-hmm. got to break down all your pre or misconceptions. Yeah, preconceptions. Mis- yeah, preconceptions, misconceptions. You, everything that you think to be true. Right, and is, be, and allow that process to unfold. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because man, it's it's and it's tough and it's gut wrenching. And that's that's one of those things that I was that I was talking about at the beginning where I was talking about when I started to identify my attachments and I started to identify what my attachments are to all of those labels that I put on everything like family has always been on such like a high pedestal. Yeah. For me, but uh-huh. when you start identifying like oh I'm just attached to this label that doesn't actually mean anything unless I give it meaning. Right. And once you kind of break that down, you're like, well, if this person wasn't my family member, I would not have anything to do with them ever. Right. I wouldn't have chosen them as friends. No, not I at wouldn't all. hang with them yeah. in the least. And that's and they wouldn't with me. And that's powerful information to know because that 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 lets you know right there that there is something unhealthy within that dynamic. Absolutely. Yeah. And and yeah, that's 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. That has to be, I guess, handled experientially mm-hmm. on a case-by-case basis. Uh, I know in my case, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I have had to do the same. You're right. Yeah, I think it's hard. We all do, and then, mm-hmm. then we're confused and we feel guilty, and it's like, no. How about no? Um, and I think the one advantage to that, too, is that we sit here with time time you know it's a little harder to get your brain around when you're younger but as you get older it's like okay wait a minute i'm a little too old to be playing this game you know it's like move on um but that doesn't necessarily cure it in the healthy way perhaps but it certainly has for me Mm. certainly has for me that's awesome. God, I love it. I love it. All right, so I have some some tips from my own experience and from <laughs> therapists all over the internet and therapists that I have gone to and stuff that I've taught before. So one of the tips that I have for setting boundaries is to have self-respect. If we are frequently giving into the needs and demands of others, it may be time to ask ourselves if we are giving others more respect than we are giving ourselves. Ooh, good one. Um, I have something about valuing our own opinion. So value your own opinion and do not compromise your opinion for the sake of others, which feeds really well into people-pleasing and porous boundaries. The best way to value your own opinion is to know what your opinion is. So my advice would be to, it's super simple, to just make a list of all of the things that are important to you, the things that you stand for, the things that you're passionate about, what are your morals, because knowing this information um, and knowing like where we stand on certain issues will allow, will allow us to stand our ground when someone else is crossing the line. Because if we don't know what we stand for, people can walk all over us. And so knowing what our opinion is, what we stand for, it, it really is it's drawing a line line in the sand. And it's letting people, it's letting ourselves know where it is. Because a lot of the time, especially in the past, when when someone else has crossed a boundary, I usually have some type of physical response to it. I usually get angry or I get flushed or I get frustrated or something. And I think a lot of the time, I didn't know why the fuck that was even happening in the first place. Because I didn't understand that like... What what this person said was insulting to me, but I don't know why because I don't know what my stand is on that issue. And so I think being able to identify what our our lines even are, you know, what what are our opinions and our morals and values on everything so that, you know, we have a clear cut line that when someone passes, we're able to stand up for ourselves. Nice. Um. So I have another one. Before you go, can I? Yes. Two things that you said were just great. You got to be, because you're talking about the body response. Mm -hmm. And that is the slow process of putting ourselves back together again after the emergence 
mm. of addiction or or any sort of spiritual transformation really any sort of big transformation in your life another it's not easy but we're coming back to wholeness so we're coming back into connection the opposite of addiction is connection so we're coming back and connecting to wholeness that means we're getting to know our bodies again for the first time but it's a much older body than when we had maybe started using or, or drinking and so it's getting to refamiliarize with my automatic my autonomous server um, uh, as a system the what is the word for this kind of just escaped me um the autonomic is that right yes yeah yeah autonomic system the how mm -hmm. the body's going to respond how it, the blood is going to start you know surging my heart's going to start palpitating my lungs i'm short of air when they said that my face is drawing tight i don't even know why mm -hmm. um these are old body responses we have to get back in touch with that are going to alert you before your brain even knows um, so that was a great thing there. Um, um, yeah, I wanted to just get on that. Yeah, I think that that is and that, you know, I think we we might do an episode on mindfulness at some point. But I think that really can play into mindfulness as to just like paying attention and watchfulness too, just to like really pay attention to when you have those kind of responses. It's usually because some type of line was crossed. And so, and it's really just being able to look inwardly and to be able to ask why, you know, why am I having that? Where am I feeling that my body? What is the actual sensation that I'm having? That'll give us a lot of information as to like which line has actually been crossed. Yeah. And to learn to not freak out about that, mm -hmm. but to go excitedly into this, it's like, woo, you know, the power of observation, mm. you know, as you often always use the. You know the the imagery of the balloon in the air bouncing it away you know the you know right. it's just a thought it's just an emotion it's just a feeling but it came up from somewhere well mm -hmm. i took a screenshot the other day of, this is from a, a doctor he's called the anxiety md he's a neuroscientist and md and he said uh here's how you know he was talking about that feeling in the body he goes here's how to locate the body's alarm and begin healing one noticed you are alarmed Right. So alarm, not necessarily alarm, but that sensation that this isn't right. Yeah. And then you locate it in your body because everyone feels it somewhere. Yes. Right? Yes. And he's like, put your hand over it, breathe compassion into it, mm. and then <coughs> give the sensation, that sensation you're having, the love it needs. Give love now that it didn't get back then. So that kind of goes to that inner child, you know, inner family system thing, right? The IFS. Right. So that, and that's just being mindful, like, all right, whatever boundary I just let get crossed and I'm tense now. So, you know, I'm like, I always get it chest. Bro. Oh, I get it right in my chest. So, you, know, you just put your hand on there and be like, all right, what's going on? You know, and, and, you know, we could, you could probably do like a multi disciplinary kind of way of looking at it like okay i'll be mindful but i'm going to figure out what this is and if this is a childhood you know is there one of these little dudes inside of me that got hurt because of action like this and not standing up to it yeah or comments so, statements like this right yeah yeah so, 
to me, you know, like if I see something like screenshot, this is good. Now you, <laughs> yeah, that was a good you know, one. I send in most yeah, of that, the you guys. Like, this is a good yeah. one. I'll send yeah. it to Chris and Kyle. Yeah, yeah that's so, a, good, a great um, one. Yeah, mm-hmm. so the boundary thing, you know, I mean, and you, I get that. Like, I either get pissed, like, if the, it's, and then I'm mad. First, I'm mad at the other person for expecting that much of me. Mm-hmm. But then as I get some time between me and the event i get mad at myself for allowing it It turns into shame yeah and yeah guilt and shame (laughs) and then you're on that that hamster wheel another thing is is getting pissed at yourself for having that reaction and you don't even know why i'm out of breath now i'm pissed because i don't know why and that i've watched i've seen that and um, a classic case is just your your average anxiety attack, your panic attack, where somebody doesn't have any clue why, and it just kicks up out of nowhere. And then they get pissed because they don't know why. Because they're out of control. They're out of control. Yeah, we want to be in control. And, right. if, and if we're not in control, we don't and feel safe. Then it just creates more frustration. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, just, it just fucking That'd spirals. Be, yeah, it just yeah. spirals. I just spiraled outside yeah. myself. Yeah. That being and, said, I read. Yeah. To, I was reading today about... Uh, was, I put my uh, genetics up onto Code Gen because I had read something about panic attacks in certain genes. Um. Like two to three percent of the population has these genes that just you have panic attacks. Really? It's, yeah. So I put mine in, and of course I have the genes. I don't. I've never really had a panic attack that I know of. I mean, I've had a lot of anxiety, but oh, no, this explains some stuff. You know, I've got the these genes that are prone towards anxiety, and uh, um, that speaks to epigenetics. No, not necessarily epigenetics is more passed down through generations right right that you don't you have those but, genes but and you I don't, don't think there's i don't know if there's i didn't see any studies i, I don't know i don't know i'm throwing that genetic it thing is that, mm-hmm. those a, are two different well your genes and are epi- they yeah they, they are okay so i mean you can overcome epigenetic stuff and you can overcome genetics genes aren't set for life right right you can do supplements you can do things not necessarily, you know, mental things, physical things that can switch genes on and off. But I don't know if that's an epigenetic response. That, that's been passed uh, down. Right. Okay. Okay. Right. So. Um, Another, sp- th- uh, I'm sorry, jumping right back on topic. Uh, you spoke into values. What is it I value, you said? Mm-hmm. And I think this is a real good time to really sit down and do the journaling it's push that pen across the paper until it starts pulling you to really understand what your values are you better we better know this better know them at each step along the process along the way and Mm -hmm. do them regularly because they're always changing and if they don't change and evolve then that's a question in and of itself Mm -hmm. you know because um for some folks, it's very important to them how they appear, how they look, how they show up in the world. For others, that that's not the real important thing. It's how do I feel? I'm not mm-hmm. concerned how I'm going to show up in the world. So, yeah. well, you know, the, well, I think that's super 
it's super important to know our values especially if you're within like codependent relationships or if like if you're if you're a codependent because a lot of the times it's hard to differentiate what's our shit and what's their shit right and so being able to have something a little bit more tangible that we can write down and then build upon and stuff like that i feel like then would you say would you say you're just going to go in with half-hearted into a relation you're going to enter into a relationship uh expecting with expectation of the other person to fulfill your values without really that you even understanding what they are well so yeah yeah i would i would say that that's true but i think that like you you spoke on the word like expectation and i think that like when i was i don't know if this is relevant but it just came to my mind when you were when i when i started to break down my attachments my expectations i realized that like an expectation is something that you have on someone else and the boundary is something that you allow to happen to you and so the expectation is almost like the unhealthy the boundary is like you're not necessarily like putting expectations on how other people should act because we can't control that but the boundary is being like okay you can act that way but i'm not going to have you be around me yeah and so i but but if we don't know once again i mean right back on the point like if we don't know what those values are <laughs> to begin with right you know then we're we're letting all kinds of shit into because like, there's going to be bits and pieces of mm-hmm. the, that other person that other situation mm-hmm. that i like but overall it does it's not healthy mm-hmm. but there's bits and pieces that have sold me in uh perhaps i <coughs> want to enter into a relationship well my overriding value is I have a beautiful wife. Okay, great, great. Um, seems, you know, reasonable enough. But everything comes with every a lot more that's under the surface of that. And if I haven't explored that within myself, it's gonna it's gonna be sort of glazed over in the world. Mm-hmm. The world's gonna come in and get right through if I don't firmly know myself mm-hmm. and haven't studied it's very true it's very true i know a therapist is going to come in and join us and just go oh you guys were so close <laughs> you didn't hit this and this to link everything yeah you're saying. Probably. probably probably but we're not therapists so it's okay yeah. <laughs> no i'm just um, I'm, we're speaking right, into our think, experience I, I think the problem there is you're never going to find anyone because they aren't going to be perfect yes right right so there's plenty of things that are you need to know what's important so you have values right yes but are all of your values important is there a higher hierarchy of importance like oh there you has know to be. like there when i was a young when be. i was a young college guy we always used to say you date democrats and you marry republicans because we were all like your little right wing dudes right <laughs> so you know that was important like i don't want to you know, whatever mm-hmm. but that's you know that was a simplistic and you know my wife when i met her right. politically we were on opposite ends you know i mean i'm basically a far libertarian anarchist and she still believed that there was some value to government mm-hmm. which you know luckily i think she's changed her mind quite a bit um but that wasn't a deal breaker 
thing. So I have these values, but they aren't so important that I'm not going to let a really fantastic person come into my life because they don't have the same values. And why? And part of me is like, do you want someone to have the same values as you? Because it would be boring. It would. It, it would be boring because right? it does. It doesn't push you beyond your right. limits. And you, I mean, you can have disagreement and different values and still have love and compassion and understanding each other and growth because of that. Like, wow, I always thought this and this was a value I held. But now I don't think it's that important, and it's gone yeah. down my list. So. And sometimes we're confusing. Whoa. It's too easy to confuse your value with your opinion. Right. A value, you cannot lie because it's what you're going to do. And my value when I was younger was always to, which was part of my pattern, which is part of my, my trauma, I guess you could say. Which was to escape, get out. I didn't need to worry about boundaries. If it was uncomfortable, if it... No, I was out of there. I was going to find a way to either close down, shut out, uh, freeze, tune out was was my thing. So that was just the underwriting modality, I guess, that I just adopted without knowing and understanding that pattern. Right, but, but could that be that you didn't have values? Like you didn't, you had some ideas. I had ideas, right? But you hadn't necessarily codified or solidified what your values are. And I think at right, eighteen, right, I you're mean, not. I you've don't got know. some ideas, and you know, kind of what's important to you. But I don't know at that age if you can say these are my values, and it. 40 years later, you'd be, you know, it's like, you yes. know, and I know you guys have tattoos. I don't, but we have a, a guy we played music with that got this tattoo for a band when he was drunk in college. And I'm like, really? <laughs> like how important it's 60. Yeah. Is that are you still going to be like, Oh, yeah. they've changed my life. And I'm I permanent. And granted, it's just skin or whatever, but you know, so those values that you had at 18, like, this band talks to me, you know, like, oh, so you've, you know, you've got your nickel back, t- back tattoo. <laughs> like, oh, God, they're the worst ever now. But I loved them so much when I was, you know, yeah. now it's not nickelback. Luckily, I wouldn't but associate it. They, with they, what, your point, to right. your point is they have to evolve and they have to change. Right. And um, it, it, I think if you're not, if you're completely rigid in your values, you're not going to grow. Right. You know? Correct. Um, I, I, this, uh, um, I had a brewer that worked for me years ago and I used to tell him, I said, look, what we do has a lot of structure. Like it's a process process has structure and therapy is process. Everything is process in the whole world. Absolutely. I'm like, but you gotta be flexible. Like he was rigid, structured and rigid. And just couldn't like this was his mindset. Something happened, and it wasn't. Ha- it, well, he was like, "What am I going to do?" I'm like, "There's plenty of other things to do. This is what happens. So you need to be structured, but flexible, right? right?" And I think that's to me what values really kind of tie into. Like, I have a structure to my life, 
but I am flexible with it. Like yeah, but you I, have to know the rules before you can break them. And to to get into the minutiae and let's start really living rules? in a, in the gray right. area, who's your rules? own, guided right. by your values. Right, but you could have plenty of values that are terrible. I mean, you look at serial killers. Well, yeah, they but have values. They have, like the well, I only I only have sex with them after I kill them. But oh, okay, but, cool. But, you know, yeah, I mean, so yeah. that that's that, a that's a value, right, But that's to them, right? So. There's, I mean, I think we have to look at it from 10,000 feet and say, okay, these are generally accepted values, right? That we all the agree. Like, the agreements. Right, right. Yes. So, um, yeah. And maybe I'm splitting hairs, but to me, I, you know, this is how I process. Like, okay, what are your values? What are my values? Right. Mm-hmm. And you have you to know, know them yeah. before to know what, what you're getting outside of slightly. Right. But I agree with you 100%. It, it's a process yeah. and you you've in some way have to be aware when you're stepping outside of that process right. well but if I... you don't then you're going to get so far off the scent off the beaten path um you're going to get lost and get twisted in a, in yeah. a hurry well and i think that but, you know to me the 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 rune stone or the guide stone of my values is is it is it the right or is it right or wrong? Like you know, you know when well, we worked with sure, those kids, sure. I would be like, dude, you know when you're doing this that it's it, wrong. It, that you're it's doing wrong. something that's wrong. Yeah. Like back when I drank yeah. and it was it, going to the bar six nights a week, there were plenty of things that I did when I was doing them. Like this is really wrong. Yeah. Sometimes you're like, this is really fun. But this is really wrong. Right. And now I look back at a lot of the stuff I did, and I get serious. The oogies, like, uh, uh, <laughs> my spine. I'm like, yeah. I can't believe I did that. What a horrible person. But at the time, that was my values because yeah. I didn't have them. Because you, you know? didn't have them. Right. Most... So you need to start. And this is where I think mindfulness comes in. I think this is where stoicism comes in. Any kind of yes. philosophy, like, you, you can find a way to find the path that is healthy and empowering mm-hmm. and you don't hurt other people right you know and I, I I think that's the best blend right there is stoicism and and mindfulness did we Kyle do you have another one on that list oh I have a few oh, <laughs> we're sorry. how are we doing for no, time we we're okay? right at an hour we got a little bit of time okay so, we got a little bit of time so let me so that was all super relevant I fucking love it I love it um I do want to knock out a couple of these though so Another one that I got written on here is that our time is a valuable resource, and by attempting to please everyone, we can become burnt out and resentful. By frequently giving in to the demands of others, we deny ourselves the pleasure of focusing on what we value. Make sure that when we are saying yes to others, we are not saying no to ourselves. Okay. So that that plays really well into people pleasing and people with porous boundaries. What we had talked about, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I have here's the power of no. So this is especially useful for people with porous boundaries. So the word no is a boundary within itself. By saying no, we begin to pro, uh, we begin the process of removing people pleasing from our lives. 
This could be as simple as saying no to a restaurant or a movie that we don't want to go to and we can begin to enjoy the things that we actually want to do. So we we have definitely talked about no quite a bit in this, but no, I think, is one of the easiest boundaries that we can set with other people. Because I think that when we fall into people pleasing, a lot of the things that we are asked to do, we don't necessarily want to do. Um, you know, like, hey, like, can you come help me move all my furniture around my house or, you know, and then move it back for me? It's like, that doesn't sound very appealing to me. No. But I'm going to do it because I want you to like me. And just saying, like, I mean, my wife asked me sometimes, hey, do you want, do you want to go to Target with me? No, I don't want to go to Target. No, I don't want to do that. Yeah. I'm watching TV right now. I don't want to do that. I'm an adult and I'm no, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. But it's, it is very, very empowering. And for people who are just starting out to set boundaries, just start saying the word no more often. Say no when you don't want to do something. Yeah, it's hard. It's mm-hmm. going to be super hard. Yeah. 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 Like, like we had talked about earlier, like you're going to feel, you're going to feel guilty. Because it's an exp- and most of the time it's important to understand that the person that we say no to is usually not going to receive it in a the way that we expect it to. <laughs> oh <laughs> you well, know? yeah. Oh well, because it's not our shit. That's the other person's shit, and it doesn't mean it's not the end of the world. It's not the end of the world. Right. But if we and are, if, and if they do receive it differently, then you got to wonder if they're a friend, right? Like, yeah, right, like, right. Thought you were my friend, man. You're the only dude I know that has a pickup, and I really need to go get this stuff. Yeah, you know, just well, yeah. Sorry. Be, be ready to um, observe yeah, it. Yeah. And be ready to observe yourself, and just be ready to sit with that. Mm-hmm. And you know, yeah. Sometimes but, we we have to kind of remove our expectations on how we think other people should be behaving, right. and just we get kind of detached from that. We give them the old Austin Powers. How about now? How about now? Um, all right. I got uh, avoid. This, so this is still for porous boundaries. So avoid over apologizing when setting boundaries. It is important to remember that firm boundaries don't require anyone else's approval. Apologizing might not even change how the other person feels about us. By over-apologizing, we allow our guilt and fear to feed into the boundary that we are setting. We wash down the boundary by feeding into our guilt, but the first few times you set a boundary, you're going to feel guilty. So this really plays into the setting no. But I think that when I first started setting boundaries, I wanted to apologize. You know, like, I'm, you know, I'm sorry I can't do that. I'm really sorry, man. Like, I'm sorry I can't help you today. I'm really sorry. It's like... Just say it and be done with it. Yeah. Because realistically, if we continue to apologize for standing up for our needs, we're washing down what our needs are. Good. And, we're, and we're almost kind of I discounting what our needs are. Yeah. Well um, and then we have, we got some stuff for rigid boundary setters. So this is for, so like we what we had originally talked about is that not... Every rigid boundary is going to be argumentative. That's not, but for the people who are like aggressive within their communication styles, um, for some people with rigid boundaries, they value winning an argument over understanding. In healthy communication, there are no winners. So, my advice would be to usually we're very aware when we're about to enter a difficult conversation especially if there's like a verbal boundary that has to be set with someone we usually know when it's about to happen 
So my advice for the people who tend to get really, really worked up in a conversation, in a difficult conversation, would be to take a couple of deep breaths before the conversation or even within the conversation and to (coughs) listen more than you talk during the conversation if you tend to get angry. Because when we are talking, we're not listening. And when we're listening, we're not understanding. And when we're having a difficult conversation and just in healthy communication in general, the whole point is to understand what the other person is saying. Because if they're, if we're not understanding what they're saying, we're just spewing our bullshit all over them and it's irrelevant. You know, we're just getting our selfish needs met. But when it comes to setting healthy boundaries and being assertive, we have to understand what the other person's perspective is. And if we are screaming and yelling and hollering, we're not, we're not hearing anything. We're not, we're not understanding what the other person we're reacting based on emotion. So take a couple of deep breaths. And you're going in with the wrong intent out of the gate. Yeah. Because you're just going in as a control freak wanting to win. Yeah. Which, so there's something bad on you. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it's very important to check ourselves, uh-huh. and um, it's also important to have other people around you to check you. Yes, if you're acting up, you know. Yes. And I think that if you don't have anyone in your life that checks you, you're getting away with more shit than you think you are. Correct. And so it's very that that's very very important. So this goes back. So this is the last thing that I had on here. This is from ChoosingTherapy.com. So we were talking about taking responsibility for your life. Okay. So some of the things that choosing therapy said is avoid blaming other people for your emotions. Accept adverse or difficult (coughs) circumstances as a regular part of growth. And you have to understand that you are not the victim of life. That circumstances should happen sometimes. Yep. Take ownership over your actions and how they affect other people and make decisions that serve your best interest. So those are all crucial when it comes to identifying what your boundary actually is. Because if we can take responsibility for our needs, we we know how to advocate for our needs. We can take responsibility for our own actions and what role we play in a certain situation. Because like the situations that I've had with this, this person in my life that I recently set a boundary with... I had a huge role to play. I had a huge role to play, and I'm not going to go into that, but it was my it was my responsibility to take ownership for that. You know, because I think that if we go into setting a boundary and villainizing the person that we're trying to set a boundary with, we're just blaming people for shit that we could be taking accountability for. Right. And I think that that's, you know, we you know you you were talking about Mindfulness. We were talking about mindfulness and the response in the body and stuff like that earlier. I think that really training ourselves, uh, you know, to pay attention to like why we act the way that we act. And I think that that has been one of the most important things for me. I think some people run most of their life on autopilot. They just react basically with their reptilian brain. They just act at a you know, just out of pure emotion and, you know, we're just acting like caveman most of the time, not right. really understanding like 
you know, this person upset me and I screamed at them. Okay, we're going to move on to the next thing. A lot of people don't take inventory on why did I think that? Why did that thing emotionally charge me? Why did I say that snarky thing to that person? You know, why did I feel the need to say that snarky thing to that person? You know, why it's like I think that some of these there's, I think some of these things we need to pay attention to what the hell is happening in our mind. Uh, yeah, I think this is systemic in our culture world, uh, 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 worldwide, really. Mm-hmm. is Well, not worldwide. That's not true. Certainly in America. But I think there's this disconnection between our body and our brain. Yes. We, have our, we don't even... We're, we're separate. It's like we're just bobbling heads walking around and just following habits and patterns and traits and we get out of bed we pick up our phone we get caught up on yesterday's news which is already yesterday doesn't mean no good but i just want to be informed i'm just it's everything is is habitual and my body moves in a certain way and i go to the bathroom and do everything the same exact way without really even being consciously aware and uh but do you need to but, be aware of everything? Like, seriously, when you first start driving, well, everything just, is, like, overwhelming. It, like, it braking, is. turning, turn signals. So well, I don't really think but, that when I get into an automobile, I need to be so consciously aware of my driving well, it's, and turning. It's discernment. It's dis- I think yeah. it comes down to, and you were we were talking about, like, the list of importance of values. I think that there's... There are higher priority things that like when you're screaming at your wife, okay, it's like, what the fuck is going on right now? You know, why, why am I acting this way? And I think that it's being able to identify the importance in the relevance of some things. The and meaning I, and, in the moment. And, yeah. In something, driving the car, not that important, you right. know, to yeah. be like and super aware. So, I mean, I think that there's plenty in life that you just go through on autopilot. Yeah. Because yeah. if, if you were trying to assess and put labels on everything you did, you'd become catatonic. Because yeah, you, you would. You couldn't, well, you couldn't keep yeah, up with everything. Yeah, let's, <laughs> yeah. let's use that as an yeah. example. Your brain can what, process like 10,000 things a second. Yeah. Right? So, but, but let's use that right. at driving as an example because that's a fine one. Which, which reminds me, I've blinked twice I've been driving at you, blinking my brights and waving, and you're just like, doo, doo, doo. I'm like, where is Chris? Hello, Chris, what planet yeah. are you on? I, I could see that. I'm yeah. here. Yeah. I'm here. I'm not looking yeah. outside. Well, I'm Pan- always super aware. Oh, of I'm not panning. Me. I mean, oh, see, I'm, I'm just, just the I'm just aware on the road. Yeah. And but how many times do we drive and then all of a sudden wake up 30 minutes later because we we've just been in our head. In, a, in an argument with our boss or, you know, our spouse, you know, and we wake up unless somebody else wakes us up fast and they jump in front of our lane and, and startle us back to uh, nowness. So for me, driving um, is very, but, uh, but there's, never autopilot. there's that yeah. disconnect. There's that disconnect. But mm-hmm. going back to responsibility, I love this topic because I found responsibility and ownership in excuse me and my early recovery was the ticket it was my ticket it really towards a healthy process and a healthy road because no longer was i going to blame the world for where i was at when you're in a detox bed like that and you know it's connected to the county jail and whatnot 
and you're there by your own omission. You know, you did this. And that was a stark reminder of this is me. This is my life. Where am I? What did I do? And there's nobody left to blame. So the more I owned, the more I could start really rational, in a rational manner, going about defining my boundaries. Oh, I own this. I'll take it. I I did it. Uh, This is not mine. This is not mine. These are patterns that were developed at an early age. This is where these patterns started. That's not mine. Okay, it happened to me. I get it. But it really helped me by claiming my responsibility and a sense of ownership. It was incredibly empowering for me. But for a lot of individuals, they they almost get scared like, you know, like a wagging finger in their face going, you better take responsibility, you know. Um, And a lot of folks have a, a tarnished version of that. For me, it was it's what put me on top of my shit pile. Okay, so it's a, the view's a lot better and it doesn't stink as bad because now I could see farther in in the past and in my present and in my future to say, okay, this is how it should be, not necessarily how I want it to be, but this is how it really it really is. It's not perfect. There's still a lot of work. There's always work, but my God, it gave me a better view by claiming it, by owning up mm-hmm. and being honest with what I had done. You know, so anyway, that that I, it's incredibly empowering to own it, mm-hmm. to be honest and own it. Well, I, but For, I think one point you said, well, this happened to me when I was little, so I don't need to own it, but you do need to own it. Oh, I do need to own Mm -hmm. how I respond to it now. Right. Absolutely. Because then if you're like, well... Oh no yeah, no no! I murdered all these people because no. my dad murdered people. And <coughs> yeah, I'm no no not no. Responsible. He, you talk to him about no, it. No no no. Because no, 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 you're playing a victim. Yeah. But no, but I just me, wanted to clarify that. Yes, let's. The way I heard it was no. All this stuff happened to me. No, it's not my problem. No, <laughs> absolutely not. Let me go even go back further. Even back to my childhood of three, four, five, six years old. Okay, that stuff happened to me, and it was a set of circumstances, situation, events, people, players. That happened to me. You're, that's where you're being shaped and formed in that early childhood development. But but how I respond to it now is my responsibility. Right. Am I going to run on a 14, 15-year-old, an 18-year-old's uh, modem? Or am I going to just ditch the hard drive altogether, throw out the computer and start all fresh? I'm trying to run my life on a Windows 6 or something here, folks. It's just not going to work. We've got to update. And the little algorithms that are hiding in there, just to kind of do a quick eraser real fast, that's not good enough. we got to get deep into this thing and really clean out or, or get rid of the hard drive because they're in there. Mm-hmm. So that was what I realized. And that's on me. Mm-hmm. And the more I do that, the more it's easier and not easy, but the more a no comes, you know, with less 
Not all the time. I'm not saying all the time. Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes. Sometimes. It's a work. It's yeah. a work. All right. So I just have like one more little piece of advice before we kind of wrap this up. So we, we've kind of talked about um, putting pen to paper, and that is an excellent resource for any type of difficult conversation that we're going to have. Um, don't ever underestimate the the power of writing out a script. If you're about to have a difficult conversation with someone mm. and you know that you have involuntary reactions in your body and your you know your voice gets all squeaky and you hyperventilate and stuff, a lot of the times emotion will remove any type of logic and any type of memory from our brain and so sometimes if you you know if you have to set a hard boundary with someone write it out and rehearse it you know just you know exactly like hey you're at you're you're doing this set of behavior i'm not going to tolerate this anymore here's going to happen if this behavior continues i mean something super super yeah, basic what i found is That's i never good. in mm-hmm. these kind of arguments i try to never use the you Mm-hmm. Like, it's like I feel like yeah, yeah. The, I statements, of course. The, these actions are making you know because when you start saying the you, like you do this, mm-hmm. which maybe they do do this, right? Yeah. But whatever, it bothers me. So I, I feel like when this happens, it makes me angry. Mm-hmm. It's a lot better than saying what you're doing is making me angry. Yeah. You know so. Um, that, it's taking and, accountability once again. Right. Yeah. So that's one thing I just want yeah. to interject. Yeah. No, really no, that point. actually that I makes like sense. The eyes and the we. Yeah. And I think that that's more powerful. You know, and I think that that's something that does that does take away from blaming other people for how we feel. It makes it inclusive. It definitely does. But I, I like think it. but I think the point is really like write write it down. Write it down, make a script, rehearse it so that it makes it easier to have the conversation so that because a lot of the times like when we have a conversation and we're all you know we have a heated conversation we leave the conversation you're like shit i just forgot everything that i was supposed to say writing it down also helps in that you got your points Mm -hmm. like if you're just having an argument and this could even happen writing it down. All of a sudden, you'd be like, and also, mm-hmm. you know, all of a sudden, because remember you're angry that thing and from the past, mm-hmm. oh, right? Yeah. So you dredge up stuff, <laughs> yeah, that's maybe not even relevant to what's bothering you or, or the conversation at hand, but you bring it in, which just is like th- throwing gasoline on it, right? yeah, and making the situation, which may not be huge. But it's annoying yeah. into something that could be an inferno of yeah. anger. Right? It becomes so, irrelevant to a certain point. Right. Totally useless. Yeah, so mm-hmm. you kind of have your yeah. script and you're like, you know, it's your little box of these are the important. This is what's happening and this is how I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. And I can't take this anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. Whatever. And these And these are the reasons why rather than just like winging it. And all of a sudden, it's like, can you leave the toilet seat up? And, <laughs> yeah, right. You know, yeah, the and, terrible, uh, yeah, terrible, little and you know, tiny you, things. You do this and that, right? So I think that that's a good, good thing, right? You know, having, having those for the conversation, having those points. Right? Well, it also mm-hmm. offers you different language, so that you invite in words like "we," and I, I would suggest that we. Maybe going forward, do something like this mm-hmm. as a possibility, 
rather than having this blow out in the kitchen every right. time that, mm-hmm. you know. No, that's great. I, I think yeah. it's, yeah, I think being able to write write stuff down, and I learned this through my my program, is that being able to have something tangible in front of you, it, it solidifies it in more ways than one when you write something down. For love sure. It. I love it. All right. right on. Well, Thanks, guys. Well, we got gratitude. We do got some gratitude. Uh, oh, boy. Who what do we got over first? here, bud? Oh, you're starting with the crow. Yeah, today. there, Croster. Right. I am going to, uh, uh, number one, I know it's, uh, it's crazy, but, uh, you know, uh, grateful for my family. Uh, not that it's crazy, but uh, I haven't talked to them in quite a while. Um, but I'm having breakfast with one of my sisters tomorrow. And uh, I'm just very grateful for that opportunity. I'm grateful for uh, I'm grateful for my my uh, career. What I what I get to do, you know, every day. It's just wonderful. It's it's a gift. As challenging as it is for me, it is truly, truly a gift. It pushes me. Um, and uh, I'm grateful for you guys. Because this, no. I would not have gotten, got, <coughs> seriously, I wouldn't have gotten off the couch this afternoon. Mm-hmm. I did all my walking this morning in the sun. Mm-hmm. Now that it's raining, I was going to just hole up. But, uh, you know, you guys got me out of there and had some great conversation. And the vibe in here is great. Mm-hmm. Yes. It was good, awesome. Good conversation. So, thank you. Cool. You want to go? You want me to go? I'll go. I am. I am grateful for my wife. So I did. Yeah. So for anyone who didn't know, I we've been on hiatus for like a month and a half because I was getting married and going on honeymoons and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, yeah, I got sick too as soon as I got off my honeymoon, which was a bummer. But I am grateful that I I now have like my permanent teammate in my life and that's that's actually a really really cool thing and I'm I'm grateful that the uh all the wedding and stuff is done as fun as it was it was uh months and months of stress but that's uh that's done I'm grateful I'm grateful for my health I am um just getting healthier and healthier every day and I'm grateful that I don't have any crazy afflictions that are hindering my life in any way and uh i'll throw in another one i am grateful for good sleep too i think i'm grateful for good sleep i think that that's something that i i think i the last like month and a half i went into like five different time zones and it just messed up my sleep more more than anything because i went to mexico and florida and arizona and all kinds of places. So I, I jumped into multiple different time zones. I did not sleep for about a month, and now I'm getting calm back up on that, and I'm grateful for that. Yeah. Nice. And you guys, too. Nice. Oh. You know? <laughs> cool. Well, I'm uh, grateful for sleep, too. My little aura ring, I had my, a 96 out of 100, which is the highest score I've ever had. Nice. So um, – that's great. So sleep is is pretty key, but I won't say that. I won't steal yours. I'm grateful for my dogs. I know they annoy. They can be annoying, and they come in here and make noise. But man, they add character. Yeah, they do. They do. They're special. So, um, second thing, I'm grateful for my wife. You know, I mean, you're talking about your wife. I'm really lucky to have someone who 
is so supportive of me and what we do down here and you know lets me not work and fuck around all the time and <laughs> as long as the house gets vacuumed i'm pretty much golden so mm-hmm. and then uh, this ties in i'm grateful for her helping me because yesterday i don't know if you guys can't really see these bandages on my fingers but uh i had ordered some parts for the vw bus that were the wrong color so i read an article about how you can dye them black so i got black dye and then they said to add acetone to the liquid and that lets the plastic get going so I heated up the liquid, but I forgot to turn the flame off on the stove when I poured the acetone. Awesome. Which is highly flammable. <laughs> so a giant fireball happened. Oh, no. I was holding the gallon can that was brand new. No. It was shooting flame out of the hole. Oh, my God. And then I ran. I yelled fire, ran yeah. out of the kitchen. <laughs> acetone went everywhere on the floor. Yeah. So you came in, the kitchen was like basically on fire. Oh, and because I had the can in my hand and wanted to get it out of the house because I didn't know what would happen. Mm-hmm. The flames were shooting up my hand. Oh, buddy. It looked like something out of a movie. Like my, I was on fire. Oh, my God. And then I had to put the lid on the can as it was like... <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so my wife went and got a bunch of burn cream and, sh- and stuff. And actually, it doesn't... Like yesterday, I laid on in the bed for like three or four hours in agonizing pain. Like, oh, buddy. I've been burned a lot in my beer career and um but today everything feels good there's a few giant blisters but uh, i'm grateful i didn't burn the house down or burn myself to well death amen or, buddy uh, <laughs> i am so surprised oh, wow. you still have a wife yeah. <laughs> I, I just don't understand yeah, yeah. yeah it was some ins- of the stunts it was insane brother. and, and yeah. i do that on the stove all the time because you know we got that gas cooked up and I'm like, oh, it's off. Oh, but the God. flame is so low, you can't see it. So mm-hmm. I thought, oh, it's off. Mm-hmm. Well, it wasn't. And <laughs> I just poured that acetone, and it was insane. The fireball, it was like out of a movie. And then I'm running with <laughs> oh, this can as the flames are everywhere. My hair was all singed. My arm hair was all gone. And, oh, my God. Uh, I get it out to the backyard because I'm like, is this going to explode? <laughs> yeah. And then I'm like putting the lid on it, trying to put it out. Yeah. And we have a fire extinguisher. So I'm like, do I get the fire extinguisher? And Phoebe's in there just like stamping <laughs> out the fire everywhere on the floor. And oh, jeez. It was insane. Well, so, um, grateful you're still I'm alive grateful today. That you're alive. <laughs> so, we were lucky to be able to yeah. do this yeah, podcast. That was crazy. Yeah. Cra- that was crazy. Wow. That shit was wow. crazy. <laughs> so, anyhow, and All here's a. Right. Uh, the puppy is no longer much of a puppy. No, he's a full-blown dog yeah, now. Yeah, he's got some growing still to go, but he's getting he's big. Getting, he's going to be a big fella. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, all righty. Well, cool. thank you, everyone, for listening. We still got a couple of guests in the works here, hopefully soon. And soon. if not, we might touch on some more of these psychoeducational stuff and teach the listeners some stuff instead of just letting or letting any of you listeners throw it at us and, and yeah see we do have, yeah we do are. have an email if there's a particular topic yeah you can link it off the website at thelightermind.com and send mm-hmm. send a message and say you guys are terrible don't give up your day jobs whatever you want to tell right. us or, that's fine <laughs> but, or, uh, but here's what or, i'd like you to talk about yeah, next time talk yeah. about this and then and pull the plug <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, anyhow all righty guys all well right. thank you everyone and listen to our next episode see you by now all right who's got the bowl kyle pass me the bowl